passionate about helping businesses grow and you absolutely have to market to grow your business. Give it all you got. The best is yet to come. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. It is, I'm Tiffany Youngren and my name's Taylor. I work for Tiffany, obviously. <laughs> she really works with me. She yes. is the right hand person at OMH. She writes our content and handles our social media. Even when we have contracted writers, whether it's for blog posts or social media, it all goes through Taylor. So um, she is very well versed on the subject of digital marketing. We're both really excited to bring to you our very first weekly, what we call chat and grow uh, coaching and Q&A. And we really want it to be a question and answer but we also have a lot of questions that we've written down that we get asked all the time so that if you're feeling shy and you don't really want to share with us quite yet, um, then you can, um, you don't have to ask questions and you're still going to get a lot of value out of it. So uh, one thing I just wanted to remind everybody that there is a chat bubble that says chat. And if you have any questions, I don't want to put people on the spot with video and things. So I've actually turned the video off. If you're like, I really like to be on video, um, we'd love to see your face. So um, I just don't want you to feel like you have to cover it up or something. (laughs) Or if you have your jammies on or something and want to join us, I, I don't want you to be afraid to do so. So we do, by default, turn off the video. But if you're like, hey, I'm comfortable being on video, make sure you're in your chat say, hey, I'm comfortable being on video. So there are a couple of housekeeping items. Um, From there, again, at any time during this entire session, please feel free to um, type your question in the chat. Or if we start talking about something that you want us to clarify or what I said didn't make sense or I start geeking out and talking about things that maybe you're not sure how that relates to your business, uh, be sure to chat with us. So... um, I am going to just start out and give the floor to Taylor. She's going to act, actually ask me some of the questions we get a lot, and she'll be monitoring your questions as well. So, Taylor. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm, we're really excited to be here. Carla, we saw your comment. That's awesome. We wish we could be in our jammies, too. Um, oh, that's awesome, though. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so, yes. Thank you. And thank you for saying that, because I was talking about being in jammies, and I thought, or people, I would totally do that. So that's yeah, awesome. I, I would totally. And next time we won't call you out. We'll just let you be in your jammies and we'll talk. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> we didn't see you, but that's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, what we want to do is kind of just talk about general questions right off the bat until you guys hear something that you that inspires a question. Um, probably one of the first questions that we get all the time is, can social media marketing really help my business grow or just help it at all? Um, so that's probably it's pretty general, but I'd like to kind of open up the floor. Like what are your top, um, what are the top things that social media can do for your business? Okay. Well, I'm just, I know that, um, you know, some of you are in the marketing industry, so I'm not going to tell you anything really earth shattering. So you might know some of this. Um, and then some of you, uh, work for someone else and some of you are business owners. So I'm going to try to, give you answers that are going to work no matter where you're at. Um, And hopefully if these are things that, you know, even if you get one nugget out of this entire session today, hopefully that makes your hour worth it. So with social media, we get this a lot. Like, you know, if if, um, it's so time consuming, whether you're a business owner and you're hiring people to do this, or if you're having to do it yourself, it's very expensive to put the time and money into social media. So you just kind of wonder like, how do you measure 
um, from a business owner perspective, you're thinking, well, how can I measure my return on that investment? And as an employee, you're thinking, well, you know, am what I am doing, is it effective? How, how do I know if it's effective or not? I'm just, you know, doing what I'm told to do. Um, and the way that we approach social media is number one, the way that we approach any kind of marketing, which is with a strategy. I have seen a lot of businesses go and just um, say, oh, this is cool. I want to put it on social media. Oh, we're at this. Let's put it on social media. Oh, we have this for sale. Let's put it on social media. That's not a strategy, honestly. And so it's really reactive to what is happening that day. What we do and what we highly recommend is develop a strategy so that if someone went to your profile, let's take Facebook, for example, if they went to your Facebook profile and they looked at what you have up, if they scroll down, is it going to... Is it going to match your brand? I mean, it's all over the place. Maybe your brand is all over the place. Um, or is it something where they're like, um, you know, let's say it's a, an accountant, for example. I met with the accountant today, so that's kind of top of mind. But um, And so if, if an accountant had a social media um, strategy, they might say, um, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, people know throughout the year what's happening. I want them to understand my brand. If their brand is all over the place, um, I don't want them as an accountant, you know, and so think about your business and what type of strategy they expect from your brand. If it's um, fun, make sure your profile looks fun, but you're also providing value to the people who your audience. Um, So if we want to directly relate how you can make money or grow your business using social media, number one is strategy. Um, Number two is Um, Like, what do you do with strategy? Like, how do you make money with a strategy? Um, You need to remember that social media is a platform. Just like if you were putting an ad in a magazine, that's a platform. If you have a website, that's a platform. Well, you want that message to not only reflect your brand, but you want it to be native to the language of that platform. So like if you're on Facebook and it looks like um, you're really stuffy or you're not a human that doesn't really match the language of the platform, right? So you want it to, um, you don't want people to feel like you don't belong here. So um, with that, you want to make sure that um, that you're doing that, but that you're, um, I would say that the number one thing is developing, I was just listening to this today, you want to develop a halo effect where Um, the reason that you want your brand to show and you want it to be native is you want people to get you and feel like I want to work with you and follow you. And by doing that, um, it's just, I, I always call it like, it's a vote for your company. So every time they engage, every time they look at you, every time they feel like, Oh, wow, you just gave me some, you just told me something that was helpful then it's one more thing that is going to bring them to you. Sometimes you can't measure that at every second, um, but some of it you can, and that is another beauty of social media. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I think it's important to note that this building a strategy works for all industries. Mm -hmm. Um, We obviously manage industries across the board from real estate to a fly fisherman to a health store, um, a juicing company, like those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Those are all different. But a locksmith. A locksmith. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm there's more, but yeah, there's, um, and then us, we also, we use the same strategy, um, in our own social media, like 
everything that we do that we tell our clients to do. So we try to practice what we preach, um, which we do pretty well, I think. So, and what I'd like to say too, is like the strategy is always the same. We have what we call our secret sauce. Um, a lot of you have seen my web of awesome that explains our secret sauce, but the strategy is the same, but how it's implemented changes and how it's structured might change. The message always changes based on industry and based on brand. So if you have any questions about social media or how that can relate to um, your business, um, please make sure to shout it out. Yeah. If you have anything specific to your business, we'd we'd be happy to help you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of along with that is um, a lot of business owners um, aren't sure how to measure the success of social media. They're Mm -hmm. like, well, social media sounds great, but where's the money? And Mm -hmm. How do you answer those kinds of questions? Like, how do you say, here's what we look for um, to measure if social media is actually working, doing good things for your business? Right. Okay. I'm going to tell you the answer that you like to hear. I'm assuming that you're a business owner or somebody who measures social media traditionally. So if you were to measure Facebook, for example, your efforts on Facebook. If you want to chat and tell me how you do it, um, please feel free to. Um, But usually the answer we get is people want follows, likes, shares, and comments, right? Right. And so if you put this much time into it, I expect this much uh, response to what we're doing. And you can actually attach a dollar value to that and, um, you know, calculate it. I love spreadsheets. So like, that's my language. So my temptation would be to buy into that whole idea of attach a value to the responses. And therefore the money that we spent is this percentage because of those responses, this is how many clients we get and then do the math, you know, conversion. Um, I mean, and if I was going to be completely honest, I, put a lot less weight on that every, I would say every month, (laughs) Um, because um, there's a lot that goes into marketing and every piece should fit together as a whole. And that whole is your marketing budget. And of all the things that you're doing, what is the return on that? And that is what I think you really have to do. So So let's say you're like, okay, I want to have an email campaign and I want to have a social media campaign and I want articles going out every month. And then I want to add, I want ads. I want local SEO. And so you say, okay, so this is my marketing budget um, for digital or for everything. So I want, you know, this many ads and magazines or anything else that you do and just put that in your marketing piece. And then from there you have, okay, of that, um, you know, figure out what is the lifetime value of my client. And so, and then how many um, prospects does it take to turn into a client? And so if you take all your marketing and then you do all those calculations based on how many convert into customers, um, then you can really figure out your return on investment for all of your marketing. And I would say that, you know, as a business owner, and that's one thing I think that sets us apart is we really, like, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. And so I get it. I I understand the struggle of, I want to put a dollar amount to it because I have other stuff to do and I don't want to really think about it. And so from there, it's like, well, how do I know what my social media piece is doing if this is my marketing budget? Well, testing is really the only way to do it. So like if you said, I'm going to spend less on social social media marketing, and then I'm going to spend a little bit more on that, and sales go down, then you know that 
what kind of percentage that piece has in the whole. So really having your finger on the pulse of your numbers and your strategies um, and, and that they all work together, I would say, is a big part of um, calculating excuse me, calculating the ROI. And honestly, it's becoming more and more annoying when people exactly say, like, I just want... I want people following me on Facebook. Well, I mean, someone following you on Facebook might not see a single thing that you put on Facebook. So that's kind of the time to go back and say, you know, we need to kind of look at this more holistically. Like, how does this fit in with everything else that we're doing? Because typically, if someone comes and they um, they come to you as a lead, they may, the last thing they did may be that they saw you on Facebook, but they may have gone to your Facebook page because they met you at VistaBiz or something and they right. looked, looked you up on Facebook. So that's awesome. So kind of like along, I guess, along with that on um, how to measure success is when do we usually start seeing results? At least, so say a business owner hired us mm-hmm. to do their marketing um, and we implement strategies and we find their target audience and all the good little bits and pieces that go with social media marketing and digital marketing in general. When do we usually start seeing a positive impact for their business? Like what's the number? Well, that is a really good question. Um, you know, here at OMH, we focus a lot on the blog posts, social media, and uh, social media marketing and um, email campaigns. All three of those things are really what I call the ship. They're the big ship. So it takes a bit to get it moving and then it takes a while for you to really see results. So at first you'll see results you really will see consistent results from 12 to eight months. Having said that is if at two years, you're like, wow, this is really working. And all of a sudden, for some reason, something disrupts that you're consistently doing those things. You're still going to see residual results from that because it is such a solid foundation to build on. Um, One thing I like to see is a client bring in, in fact, we have an ad, a Facebook and Google ad pro that we love um, to work with. And in fact, in January, he'll be um, with us sometime in the first, in Q1 of 2018, we're hoping to bring him in and, and he can share with you about advertising on Google and on Facebook, which Facebook right now is one of the most undervalued, Facebook ads is one of the most undervalued ways of marketing right now. So even us, like I am completely obsessed with um, Facebook ads. We don't do that in-house, but again, it's like teaming up with someone whom I'm super obsessed with also, um, and just getting a really good return on that investment as well. Um, And those I call the little boats. So like Like the ads, yeah, the ads are more speedboats. So um, you get those ads out and then you get more attention more quickly. I mean, you will see quicker results. So as a business owner or as someone spending money on ads, shouldn't I use all my resources ads then if we want really fast results? What's the pros and cons of just doing that and not building a stronger profile across the platforms? Okay. Do you, does so, that make sense? Yes. I, and honestly, I think it's kind of like liposuction versus working out. Okay. Yeah. So if you just want right now, I just want to you know, lose weight right the second, that's great. And I think, you know, to do ads, you get the results. Um, but you also need, even with the ads, without having a really good foundation of digital marketing, even the ads are less effective because you really need a solid Facebook campaign for those ads to be maximized. So you, right. so I would, I would highly recommend against just doing one or the other. And I know we just had some people just join us. Um, I just want to remind everyone to check the little chat bubble and click on that. 
Uh, and if you have any questions or comments or anything, uh, we'll be watching the chat throughout this time and answering your questions or, um, you know, replying to your comments. So if it's not something you want, don't want everybody to know about, maybe yeah. I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want us all to say, yeah, or call you out. Sorry, Carla, again, for telling everyone you're in your jammies today and for saying it twice just now. now. Um, so, so what's another question we get a lot? There's a lot of questions. Um, I guess let's kind of move a little bit away from just social media and SEO. What is SEO? Why do I need it? Those are, that's a huge question that we get all the time. And you're probably tired of explaining over and over what SEO means. Have you seen me explain SEO? Um, maybe just heard you explain yeah. SEO. I never get tired about talking about <laughs> SEO. In fact, we are developing little uh, geek flags oh, because yes. I get so excited talking about SEO and it's so nerdy that I feel like when I'm presenting and I start talking about SEO, if someone even has a flicker of interest, I'm like, I just take it as a big fat green light to just start like talking about it. So I feel like they need some kind of way to say, oh, you just, yeah. you know, because yeah. sometimes I don't notice the glazed overlook. So I love talking about SEO. Um, and uh, <laughs> sorry, Carla, I will speak up. I do have a very soft voice. <laughs> so, okay. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And the bottom line is, is everyone wants to be number one on Google. I mean, right? Everybody yes. That. Who doesn't want to be number one on Google? So, and um, we again, love SEO. We have clients that we help with and we obsess about like, oh my gosh, they're number one. And um, the thing about SEO is that it is all income. I mean, it's ubiquitous. It's absolutely everywhere. It permeates everything we do. I always say there's not a single person in this office who does not do something about SEO. Even if they don't know what SEO is, they do something to, to contribute to getting us or our clients to number one on Google. So um, let's just talk about what optimization is, right? So right. search engine optimization. When it comes to websites, when it comes to social media, when it comes to blogging, when it comes to anything, optimization gets used a lot, right? So we hear, you know, what is conversion rate optimization? What is um, lead capture optimization? Um, and I guess I just want to tell everybody that it, it's not so magical. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that business owners have been doing for centuries. It is taking the assets that you have and absolutely making the most of it. So it's optimizing what you're doing. So if you were to stop thinking about digital marketing for just a minute and just focus on the fact that you want to take an asset and make the absolute most of it, that is optimization. And so if all you ever did was walked around and every time you did something in marketing, you took it, you know, I took this pen and I'm like, I am going to do the most with this pen. Like it writes, but it also, you know, I can scrape something off with it. That is what optimization is. And so when we take, take an image, for example, when someone says, Hey, can you, can you post on my blog for me? I mean, all you have to do is just click add post and put a bunch of words in and put a picture in. Well, that's great. And I'm fine if my client thinks that that's all that we do because um, they don't like it when I talk about SEO. So I don't. But the fact of the matter is, is even with a simple blog post, there's so much that goes into it. So if we take an image, for example, we want to make it the size that it will most likely be seen, like the largest site it will most likely be seen as, but sometimes it's smaller, sometimes it's bigger. So 
we, we want the size to be optimized so that it's as fast as possible, but as beautiful as possible. Then from there, there's a whole bunch of file crap in the background that we don't know. And, you know, I don't really know what it is, but there's these wonderful programs where they take out a lot of that crap. So it makes your file size smaller. So if you have, you know, 10 images on a page and suddenly all that background crap is taken out of there, it makes your page faster. So again, let's go back to the image. So we've made it the right size. All the background crap is taken out of the, of the file. And then, um, and then now we want words in there. Like we're going to have to save this picture. Well, once it goes onto your website and let's say it's a, it's, let's say it's, it's independent lock. Okay. So it's a locksmith. And so let's say he wants to be number one for locksmiths in Billings, Montana. So what do you think I'm going to call the page on his home or the picture on his homepage? Locksmiths in Billing, Montana, um, key, yeah. <laughs> or whatever the, you know, something that makes sense for the image as well. So, but we'll include the focus keyword in the actual file name of the image. And then from there, there's like a whole bunch of other boring things. Like I probably just sounded too technical even for that. But the bottom line is, is even for an image, there are probably three more steps that we take just for that image. But how hard is it to, to create a file name that has the keyword in it? It's not that hard. So what we like, what I like to call it, what we are calling it is it's like over a hundred thousand little nudges to number one. In fact, we have, if you follow us on social media, you'll see that in the next probably week or so, um, weekly or so, we'll yeah. be sending out videos where it's a nudge to number one. And we'll just share one little tiny tip on how to get number one on SEO. But if you think about it, every little thing like that, that makes your website faster that includes a keyword organically, you know, mm -hmm. where we've um, manipulated it, but it, but it still shows up in there so that when Google's scanning this page, they're looking for, is that keyword in the headline? Well, now they're not just looking for keywords, but they're also looking for synonyms. Right. And so, um, am I getting too technical yet? No, no. Okay. So, okay. So you can see like there, so when we do a blog post, we're like, okay, we want the keyword in here. Um, what is it like 2.3 times, 2.3% of the text, yes. but not more and more than 1.75%. So, I mean, we have ways to kind of monitor that. And what I usually say when people ask, like, what do you do for SEO? I say, we do a whole bunch of crap that you don't want to hear about, but that's the kind of things that we're looking at. We're looking at, um, you know, Google penalizes people for trying to manip manipulate the system. And some of the ways that they do that is it, one is keyword stuffing. So if you have your keyword in your text too many times, they'll penalize you. They'll just assume that you're spam because their number one goal is that they provide good content to their audience. And so if you, I would say that the bottom line to SEO as a business owner, so like if you didn't have to worry about anything I just said, it's to provide good content that is on brand and do it consistently. So if you didn't care how you saved your file images and you didn't care about anything else, all you're doing is providing ongoing, amazing content that Google can recognize as great content, you are improving your SEO and you don't even know it. So right. I think that's kind of like the overarching thing with SEO is it doesn't have to be this big beast that you need to learn. It's a hundred million little steps. And if you are just doing things the right way, then yeah, Google will reward you for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of like, goes into one of my questions was like, how do I rank higher on Google? That's like a huge question. And the answer to that is, yeah, per, be a good company. Like 
Mm-hmm. Provide good information and organically, naturally, you'll be rewarded for that. And um, the thing about SEO is people make a big deal about it because it if you make a list of everything that you do, it seems like a lot. But ultimately, it's I think you used this example last week. It's like you had to learn to crawl before you just stood up and ran and you weren't mad about that. That's just the natural order of things. And um, by the time you run, you don't have to think about putting one foot in front of the other. It just naturally happens. And um, SEO works for you in that way. Like mm-hmm. just improving little things really can help your overall um, stride on Google. And like so. I said, just do a good job. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, there's a technical, I think there's a tech technical side and there's also an organic side and the organic side is heavily weighted. Mm -hmm. Uh, The technical side is not very heavily weighted and the technical side, those are the things that we can control. Those are all these little weird nudges that I always talk about. But if, if, you know, by us doing that, we, we do give our clients an unfair advantage, but, but then there's the organic side, but it's much more heavily weighted. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also on-page SEO and off-page SEO. On-page SEO is everything on your website. It's everything in your social media. It's links that you're putting out there that bring people back to your website, all that you can control. You can enter your web address into different sites. You can create content for your website that improves your SEO. Mm -hmm. Off-site SEO, you can't control as much. You can a little bit. Um, Anything you can control, again, very, it's really not that heavily weighted with right. Google. Everything that you can't control is, is um, you know, you can influence, but you can't control it. So if you were to do a guest blog post on someone else's blog and they had a keyword or they linked to your website, if you said, hey, you know, let's say I'm a real estate agent and I go to my favorite banker and they have a website and I say, hey, can I write a blog post for your website? And they're like, sure, that'd be awesome. We never write on our blog. That'd be amazing. What are you going to write about? And you're like, well, I'd like to talk about how banking relates to real estate and like ways that when people go to their banker, things that they can prepare for their real estate agent. So it's on brand for them. So you're providing them really good content that improves their website. But within the body of that, let's say your website has a page where the keyword, the focus keyword is um, real estate agents in billings, you know, and then in within the body of the article that's written, it says, you know, there are 900, you know, 600 or however many real estate agents in billings, Montana, and that links to your page. That, that is worth gold. That is probably one of the best highest rated ways to get better SEO is something that doesn't just have an article. And then at the bottom, you're like, you know, Jane Doe realtor, and then it links to you. If there's actually a keyword within the body of the blog post that links to a page that is optimized for that keyword, that's, that's a very highly weighted way to improve your SEO and to show up higher on Google. I mean, um, especially if it's if it's a website, uh, Google also assigns don't. I, I don't think Google does it, but I know Moz um, reports it. Um, but there's a way of measuring domain authority, and so if a website is out there and it looks like it has high domain authority, and then they link to you, that's that is really really good. But again, those are off-site SEO items where you can influence it, but you really can't control it. Right. Well, and the reason it is 
gold and it's magical for your businesses because it's quality content that people want. Um, if you're like you've, I'm sure you've seen like you're on Facebook, you're reading a blog post and there's like a million unrelated blog posts, images underneath that are just like attention grabbing. Those aren't what you want. Like those aren't the kinds of things you want to be linking to. You want to have things that relate to your business or still on brand. And you want to provide not only quality content for whoever you're blog sharing with and linking mm-hmm. to, but yeah, like what would, what would your customers want to read? And what would you want to read if you were in their shoes? Those are the kinds of things we think about yeah. when, when writing a blog. So I guess that's kind of like leads into, um, do I really need a blog? Why do I need a blog? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Okay. Well, before I have so much to say about that. So before we do make sure you, um, if you've gotten on here just recently, look for the chat bu- uh, chat bubble and uh, enter any questions that you have or comments even if you have something to add. And we'll, we'd love to uh, kind of go back and forth on this. But right. in the meantime, we're just going to rattle off things, yeah. these overall questions that we get all the time uh, here at OMH Agency uh, just to kind of get the conversation going. And again, we just encourage you to ask any questions that you might have. So So blogs, blogs, why are they so important? Okay. There's like a million things that are awesome. (laughs) blogs. I feel like, okay, I'm going to have to maybe put my whiteboard back here because I feel like I have so much to say about blogging and I I feel like I want to draw about it. But, um, so, um, first I just want to say blogs are articles. Um, so I, I get a a ton of people who are like, what's a blog. And it's, it's an article. Like it literally, it's not it's, that special. No, it, it's like SEO. It's like, it's, it feels magical because people say it, but anyone who's read the newspaper has read an equivalent of a blog post. Now, maybe not so much like a newspaper in that anybody could write a blog. So you want to be one of the people that when someone comes to your blog, they can believe you. <laughs> so make sure you Know your stuff. I highly recommend including outside sources, just like if you were writing a paper. I always say, just like you're writing a paper in college, you want a thesis statement and a conclusion and some kind of format in the middle that really takes people through a journey. Um, Use outside sources, cite them. The nice thing about blog posts and articles is that when you cite outside articles, you can just highlight the words that... um, refer back to an article uh, or especially statistics. If you're quoting statistics, say, you know, according to such and such, and then just link that to your source. Um, It also actually is good for SEO to have links back to outside sources, because again, Google's like, Oh wow, these guys are smart. They use outside sources. So, well, I think the great thing to remember about blog posts is it's a lot, I would say a lot less formal than like a newspaper article. You don't, it's more like an editorial. Yeah. Um, And you get to break rules. that like, I don't know when I say, when I hear college paper, that puts a lot of pressure, oh, you know, like yeah. I'm like, it's, I, like you're not going to get, you're, you're not going to get graded really. You're um, going to get graded on enjoyment less than grammatical. Right. I mean, spell things right. Oh yeah. And don't forget your period. I mean, right. Of course there are like little things that you always want to remember, but the broken sentences are good. Yeah. And I constantly will get, we'll get, of course, not Taylor's articles, but when we get, <laughs> when we get articles in and the paragraphs are really chunky, <clears throat> excuse me. Even though, you know, my college English professor would have just probably failed me on it. I still will break up those paragraphs because you know what it's like. Like you don't want to read this whole long paragraph. And so we'll break them up so that it's more pleasant to read. We just really want the audience to enjoy it. So let me get to why blogs matter. Why they're important. So there are, again, there are a lot of reasons. So I'm I'm just going to cover a couple. I, I feel like I could 
we really could just cover blog posts <clears throat> in an entire session, um, how to write them and why they're important. But just a couple things. One is that um, if you've ever met with me about marketing at all, you know that I believe that every single page on your website is like an employee. It should have a job to do and a measurable result that you want to get out of it and the, a way to do it, right? We want to set it up for success. And one of the main things that we do with our blog posts and our clients' blog posts is that we have some kind of lead capture. So at mm -hmm. the end, it'll say, hey, if you want this really cool download that relates to the article that you just read. So like if, if uh, let's say we're writing an article for real estate investors, and then at the bottom, we're like, you just read about, you know, um, having a rental, would you like to download this uh, worksheet on um, cash flow and, or, you know, something related to owning a rental. And so that page, people can read the blog and then they're like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I just read an article about renting out property. I, I would love to get this piece of information or this tool. People always like tools more than they tools. like yes. um, education. Um, so that's one, one advantage is that you can get email um, addresses from it. And um, one thing I always say too is an email address is worth money. So if you were yeah. to think that everybody who reads it, if you capture even 2% and you assigned a dollar value to those emails, it's like you're making money with right. the blog post. So Which I think we have a blog post about that. Oh, yeah. so yeah, check out our blog. Yeah, check out our blog. I think yeah. we have a whole blog. We have a couple about assigning dollar amounts to your customers mm -hmm. or your email Oh yeah, we have like a whole email conversion calculator. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So I it's know. a lead calculator. Like how much is your lead worth? So Right. So yeah, so there's one thing is you can capture leads um, using a blog. The other thing is that every time you add a blog post, it's like you have one more landing page to your website. So let's say we write an article on assigning a value to a lead. And, um, you know, we write this whole article about it. We've got a tool that people can sign up for. Well, then if someone goes into Google and they're like, how can I figure out the value of a lead? And they type it into Google and then up pops your article. Um, one, they're going to be really happy because that's exactly what they were looking for. So they're going to click on it. They're going to go to your page. And suddenly that's your landing page. And, um, you know, we have uh, client portals uh, for our clients where on the first page you can see all these different Google Analytics my personal favorite Google analytic is landing pages because I get to see how, I mean, the homepage is always going to be your top, top landing page. And the, and the landing pages are the page that your visitor arrived on. And so the homepage again, always will be, it's your profile link. Usually it, it's the, it's on your business card. When you talk to people, it's the, it's the address that you give out. But the other thing is, is like, I like to look right below it when the next one I see is a blog post. And then the next one I see is the, it's usually the about page or the contact page is usually the other static page that shows up. But I mean, I've been looking lately and when I see like three or four of the top five are of the landing pages are blog posts. I love it because it just proves the point that having good blog posts is going to bring in an incredible additional amount of traffic. So I would say those are the two top. I would also say it provides content for mm -hmm. all of your other platforms. I think that's like, Oh, that's right. That's another huge one. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge, I would say that's, that's probably the thing I think about. It's a tie. It's a yeah. tie. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a tie. I think blog posts are content 
that you use for email campaigns that you use for social media. Um, when I'm writing social media for a client, that's the, probably the first place I go is their blog post. Mm -hmm. And, um, I reread blog posts. Um, I reread their, um, who do they look up to? I read their blog posts and say like, what can we, um, add to our social media that is also going to tie back into our blog and like the content that we believe in and that we want people to share, um, that comes from our blog. Like so many things come from the blog. And I think it's a, well, when we talk about what is makes digital marketing so strong, blog posts are like their own component. Mm -hmm. Blog posts are essential yeah. for content, I believe. Yeah. It's one of the pillars. It's definitely yeah, pillars. Yeah. I was going to say leg on our stool. It is. It's a leg. Yeah, yeah. It's a leg. Yeah. It holds a stool up. So, and the stool being the website, right? So it's the hub, but, um, Oh, and one thing I did want to share is um, a lot of people are like, you know, what do I write about? Oh, that yeah. is probably the number one. So I, we go on about like, oh my gosh, you have to have a blog post and here are all the reasons why. And so then, it, and then people, the next question is like, okay, I'm completely convinced. I don't, I, either they'll say, I don't like to write or I do like to write, but what do I write about either way? And what we do, again, our brains are always going to, how can I provide value to the audience? So the number one thing in business, um, in fact, uh, Jeff Lethert, who we work with a lot at Billings Lifestyle Magazine, he talks. He just was gave a whole talk on this about um, you know developing your message before you even start your campaign, and so figuring out who your audience is and what it is that they care about is absolutely the number one thing. And by doing that, you can be like, um, as you're developing, like, what do I write articles about? we will go in and we look at questions that those people are asking. So like, let's say you're a marketing company and you're dealing with business owners. You want to know what are business owners dealing with right now that I can answer for them that is on brand. And then what we do is we brainstorm it. So we'll just write down, we'll, we'll look through these questions that people ask. We'll look at Quora or what are some other questions? Um, oh, we just talked about this. Um, a funny one is, um, Yahoo. Answer, oh, yeah, that's right. Which Yahoo is answers. really, yeah, Yahoo Answers. Yahoo's back. Yahoo is like really, Yahoo Answers specifically is okay. very popular. Um, I remember back in the day when it was like Ask Jeeves was oh, like yeah. the yeah. main yeah. thing. People still use it, but yeah. So was, anyway, th those are good. That's one good way is to look at questions that people are asking. We also use keyword research. Yes. So whatever keywords people are looking for, again, putting yourself in the position of your audience and asking those questions. That's how we create an editorial calendar. And by editorial calendar, I just mean that we just write titles for the next few months and say, this is what we're going to be writing on. Um, that way, when you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm going to write a blog post, you don't have to just out of the clear blue sky, think of some brilliant, clever idea of something to talk about. You just look at your list, like, what am I writing about this month? And then you come up with something clever to write about based on that editorial right. calendar. And keywords and questions really correlate because a lot of people have a question, but they don't take the time to type it all out. So they type mm -hmm. in just what, what's the quickest thing I can type in to find what I'm looking for. That's your keyword. Like, and if they're looking for it, your blog post is going to come up. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think, yeah, editorial calendars are super helpful. Um, they really give you a focus. Um, and what we did when our editorial calendars is we usually break it up into different categories or topics. Um, which is also really helpful. So you're not writing to the same audience every time you're writing to different groups of people and or different aspects of your business. Right. So, you know, let's say what's another industry. So let's say you're a fly fishing guide. 
Right. Uh, you know, you have people that you take out on the river, you have people who come into your store and then you have just general fly fishing coolness. And so yeah. we'll split it up into different categories and then ask questions based on that category. And then, and you know, if I say editorial calendar and it sounds like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, just open a document and write the topic and just start writing uh, rough titles. That's yeah. really all That's, that there is to it. It's just it making is. a list. So, yeah. So I think we have time for maybe two more questions. Okay. Um, okay. Why are blogs important? And that kind of leads into email marketing, email campaigns. Are they important? Do people even look at email anymore? Is email dead? Yeah. Is email dying okay. or dead already? Yeah. I don't know if it's dying, but I know it's not dead. And there's a couple ways that we know this. One is that <clears throat> I think it's over twice as many people, yeah, twice as many uh, computer users have email accounts as have um, Facebook and Twitter combined. combined. Yeah. And on average, I mean, I don't remember what the number is, but they spend a lot more time and attention on email than they do on social media. Social media is micro moments, you know, yeah. it's it just there and gone, there and gone, there and gone. Whereas with email, they spend more time reading it. You really get their attention. And so, no, it's not dead. And it doesn't have to be something complicated either. It's something um, I've even just had people that I've trained. I've just said, look, you have a blog. Use it. We'll build you a template. Just fill in what your blog post is for that month and, and you're done. So if you, even just keeping it that simple is um, a very, very, very effective way to take someone who was a lead and take them through the journey to actually be a customer. Or if they're a customer, keep them on the path where they remember you're the one. Because in between purchases or in between your relationship with them of um, you know, having a transaction or whatever, there can be, you know, there's obviously space in between. And you want them to remember you're the one that gives them this really valuable content. How you talk to your customers and how you talk to like a potential person that you're just developing developing a relationship with is different. So the biggest thing that I would say is make sure that you split your email campaign into segments. Um, again, you can keep this simple. You can create an email template that the bottom half, it's the same for everybody. Um, however, I would say still make templates for each group because what will happen is you're going to be sending out these emails to these groups and then you're going to think, you know, I'd really like to remind my clients to refer people to me. Or, hey, I have a new referral program and I'd really love to put that on my email template. You don't really want um, prospects getting that because it's really forward to be asking them for referrals when they haven't used them right. yourself. So, and, yeah. And I would say another great reason is that you can track results better. Like mm -hmm. you can say, well, who is opening my, my emails? Like what kind of people are following up? Or, yeah, are my clients even... Do they care anymore or is it my business partners who are the only ones opening the emails or is it potential clients? And I mean, you might not, yeah, you would probably word things differently to new people who mm -hmm. have maybe, maybe just walked into your store once or bought your product once versus someone who knows you on a first name basis. Like those are kinds of different mm -hmm. um, I guess it's, a, it all comes back to strategy, right. I think. And for, who you're trying to reach. Right. Because even if you're talking about prospects, you might have different types of prospects. You know, let's say you're a, a retailer 
and you have wholesale clients and you have retail clients. I mean, you're not going to talk to both groups the same way. Or let's say you're a real estate agent and you have um, real estate investor clients or commercial clients or residential clients, completely different language. So again, it's just knowing your audience, keeping it simple. Um, I, I saw a quote the other day that was complexity is the enemy of execution. And so if you can keep it simple, whether that means making your process really simple so you're able to teach it in-house or keeping your process really simple so that you can do it or if it's hiring out. But whatever it is, you want to make sure that in your mind, you feel you don't feel the weight of it. Otherwise, it won't last. And this isn't something you can just pick up and do kind of here and there. It's something that you need to continually, continually do. And you're teaching your clients what kind of a professional you are. And so again, keeping that consistency sends a big message. You don't have to tell them that you're reliable. You're showing them that you're reliable. So. Okay. So with that, um, is it better to, um, like if you're not ready to strategize and have a consistent platform, should you wait and not post anything or should you just be sporadic when you have the time to do it? Yeah, Sarah, that's Sarah's Sarah. question. Sarah, Sarah, thank, thank you. you for that question. Um, so if you're not ready to consistently maintain a platform, better to wait or be sporadic. Um, oh, those are both really good questions. Okay, so first let's talk about if you're not ready to consistently maintain it. Um, I would say be more spor- be sporadic because doing it is better than not doing it. Right. Um, you have a message, get it out there. Um, I, I mean, I've gotten emails like that and I don't, I mean, I think the culture now is that we don't judge people based on, like, I haven't heard from them for a while. The problem with being sporadic on email is, is if you have a prospect and they get on your list, um, and then they don't hear from you for six months, they could report you for spam. And so typically when we bring on a client and they give us their email list and uh, the first thing we'll do is send out a welcome email that says, hey, you haven't heard from me for a long time, um, but you did sign up for my list. And so if you want to be removed, please use the unsubscribe um, because being reported for spam, always expect it if you're sporadic. Um, it always hurts my feelings a little bit inside. So don't feel weird if it, if it hurts your feelings inside too, but you just have to, it's just part of it. Um, but if you're consistent, that happens a lot less because if every month you're sending them out and then all of a sudden someone turns you in for spam, it's, you know, and yeah. yeah. So I would say sporadic is better as long as you're communicating really well with your list that, you know, Hey, you may not have heard from me. I'm back. Um, so that's good. And then how do you guide customers in creating a look or personality within their social media marketing? That is awesome. Um, so creating a look or personality. The first thing is you have to know your brand, I would say. Um, and so two things, know your brand and know the platform. So if um, let's, okay, let's take the farmer's market. Right. Okay. So we manage the farmers, the Yellowstone Valley farmer's market. And so what is their brand look like? Fruits, vegetables, right? So you could take it and say, um, you know, and I don't mean to offend anybody because some of my best friends are hippies, but, you know, we could go with the hippie look or we could, I mean, there's just a lot of options. However, it's like, who do we want to attract and what do they expect to see? So 
So kind of that's one answer. Um, and then look or personality. It really has to match you and your brand. So like what's another good example is a Billings Lifestyle magazine. Right. It's really luxury. It's people who want to, they like to travel. They like to um, see beautiful things. They like to shop. Um, you know, so right. it's, so it's, again, one exercise that I take my clients through, especially when we do uh, websites, when we build websites, we have what I call a content development interview. And I, I actually warn them and ask that they do it in the afternoon. Cause I tell them that I suck their brains out, but I don't really, but it, I just try to extract everything that they could possibly think about their business. But one of the, I think the most valuable tools that we do is I ask them all these questions about like their ideal customer, which is so like, we all hear about this all the time. It's kind of oversaid. However, I think the most valuable thing is if you imagine like an actual human being, like you attach a person that fits, this is who I'm talking to. If you do, if you do it three times. So like, if I were sitting here, I'm like, okay. And I, I, I don't want to do it. But like, if I, <laughs> if I said, I have a client and, and I say, okay, so tell me, I don't even want to use examples, but so what's, what's a, what's an industry we don't do so that I won't feel bad. You just can use ours. No, but I don't have, I don't have favorite customers. I know. So that would be a terrible like example. Everyone. Okay. So my, my son, Alex is in the room. He's helping us with sound. So we're just going to use Alex as an example. So Alex is going to go out and he's, he's starting a record label. So let's say he is like, Alex, what's a genre that you just love? Like, if you're like, who is a, who is a human being? You don't, don't say their name. Who is a human? Like, do you have in your mind a human being that would be like your absolute best customer? Like, if you got them, you'd be like, that's it. I don't need other customers. But if I had 50 of that person, I would be like happy. Yes. Okay. Now, that's not to say that if you didn't get 10 others who weren't like him, you wouldn't be happy. Like, obviously, you would be happy with other people in other genres, right? But if you have to identify who you're talking to. And this is so helpful for me. And this has helped me along the way. When I was early on and I only had like two or three customers and I got one that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with this customer. And, and then, and I love all my customers, but like some of them, you have to admit, like it's a lot of work and you're just like, they're not getting it. Like I keep telling them, but they don't get what I'm saying. So if you identify like this is the human being that gets what I'm saying. And if they walk in the door and I had 50 of them, they're going to get it. I write and I throw pictures out with that person in mind. If they saw this picture, what would they think? If, right. if they read what I just wrote, would that make sense to them? And then I filter what I'm doing with that. So, so let's say for our business, for example, what look and feel do we want? Well, we've made it really important that if someone were to come into our office and hang out with us, they would get it. They'd be like, I would not work with another digital marketing company because they're so passionate about it. You know, and so that's what I want things to look like on social media. That's our brand. That's who we are. The people who get us will get that. And right. so when they're reading it and then I filter it through like, okay, I'm picturing that one person. If they read that, what would they think? If they would think like, I don't get, why would you put that on there? Then I would be like, ah, maybe we're off brand a little bit. Right. Um, so, I mean, I did that answer. I, I hope that answered it a little bit, but yeah, you, I think it, um, yeah, you get what you give. And if you put out, the type of information that you like and speak to a person that you want to bring in, those people will come in. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's, I so think that I, I hope that up. speaks to, okay, good. Okay. That okay, does help. Great. <laughs> Sometimes I get all wound up. I know. Or but personality and look, it's so subjective. So it's a little bit like you'd have to apply it. 
from a feeling to a, an image. So. Right. I, yeah. I would say know your business, know who you want to be and who and, you're talking to. And yeah, exactly. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good questions. Do you have other questions? That, let's do one more. And then any questions that you have, um, you have like um, nine minutes. We're going to answer one more and then we'll take any other last minute questions and then we'll wrap up. Um, I guess this kind of goes along with Sarah's question. Um, how often should I be posting? How often should I be on any given platform? Okay. Well, every platform is different. Right. And so I guess it's, let's, it really depends. I would like to say that Facebook is probably one of the most popular. Mm-hmm. So if we had to pick, okay, say I'm Sarah or I'm us, I just started my business and I only have time to manage one platform. What should I choose? Mm-hmm. I guess that's really specific, but, and you know, not to be cliche, but know your business and know your audience. So what are they using? Right. And so, um, a lot of professional people, I would say, make sure you're on LinkedIn and LinkedIn. If you, if you post too much on LinkedIn, you, it, it's bad. Like you just are on, I was posting for a financial planner for a while and he was like, why is it every time I go onto LinkedIn, all I see is my face? <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, maybe follow some more people, but, <laughs> but I will back off a little bit too. So, right. um, I mean, the way that we manage just straight across the board is we start with once a day, um, weekday. So five days a week, once a day. Um, and then we test because every industry is different. And so, um, we'll, um, you know, again, we start with once a day, five days a week, and then we, highly encourage our clients to post in addition to that. And that I think is true for Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, Google, we also post on Google. I mean, who does Google plus? I don't know. Um, however, I will say that, that Google, and this is just off topic a little bit, but have you seen, they have the status, like where you can go into your business, your Google business, and you have a status that shows up on your Google profile. Oh yes. So anyway, pay attention to that. Go into your Google, my business page and make sure that every once in a while you do a status, but back to the typical posting, um, just, um, start with that and test. Uh, sometimes if you pull back and all of a sudden people are responding more then you're you know, just find your group. Twitter, you're going to have to post about six to eight times a day because Twitter is a conversation. But even more importantly than how much you're putting things out there in a perfect world, like a lot of the clients that we help are like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to do it. My budget is limited. But if I had all the money in the world and all the resources in the world, I would say spend three to five hours a day on Instagram. And this is what I would do. I would um, be checking for influencers, people with more than 300,000 followers, who are being heard by the followers mm-hmm. and approach them. Um, this is another undervalued uh, space in digital marketing, which is influencer marketing and um, where they're not really charging, either they're charging way too much or they're not charging enough, but there's, it uh, carries a lot. Uh, you just get a lot of bang for your buck. And, um, and then also commenting Twitter and Instagram are both like this, where it, it's like working a room um, and uh, Instagram, not so much. Instagram is more like, you're at a cool event. And so you just are hanging out and nudging. And yeah. Going, hey. it's, it's more like a, like a coffee shop kind of vibe or like a museum gallery is kind of yeah. the way I would yeah. think of it. But going out there and communicating with other people, I feel like, again, we're kind of all self-focused. So we're like, how much do I say what I have to say? But then nobody wants to look at other people's images or what their voice is. You want to go to people that you're trying to reach and tell them, Hey, I see you. You know, you want them to know, like, I actually care about what you're doing or what you have going on. 
Um, and then with Twitter, it's working a room. So the more you're interacting with different people, the more energy you're going to get, the more followers you're going to get. But beyond that, the more people you're having a conversation with. So if you start turning your overall social media from being how much can I just get out there to like, what kind of conversations can I have? Then I would say you're going to kill it. Like absolutely kill it. Cause not enough people are out there doing it. You're going to stand out. So Carla, um, okay. I'm sorry that you had, um, I'm sorry that you have to go and we will want to talk to you in the future. So any other last minute questions before we go? No. Well, thank you so much for coming on our first call. You're going to see a lot of changes coming up in the coming weeks. This was definitely a beta run. Yeah. Uh, we have a whole intro that we're developing. Um, and then twice a month, we're going to have a guest come in. Um, people that I always say I'm obsessed with. There are definitely pros in our industry that I'm like, oh, you're so amazing. And so I'll be asking them questions. And then Taylor's going to be helping field your questions as well. So a couple that we have coming up. Uh, next week, we have Jessica from Billings 365. She'll be talking about content. And uh, we also have Kyle Benton from Benton Media. He'll be coming yeah. in the coming weeks. And Aaron Waller from um, uh, Graphic Finesse. And uh, also Jeff from Jeff uh, Lethert from Billings 365. And actually, Tucker Velkamp from no, Billings Lifestyle. Oh, Billings Lifestyle <laughs> Magazine. Sorry, Jeff. Um, and then uh, Tucker Velkamp will be coming from Tops. Uh, which is a sandwich company here in Billings, Montana. And I like to say that Tucker makes great sandwiches. However, he's an entrepreneur. So he just happens to make really amazing sandwiches. They are so, so good. Thanks again for being part of it. Um, please make sure that you go to our Facebook page and comment and let us know what you think. Um, and we appreciate you being here and we're super excited. Thanks. thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs>